award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today. It's all about snakes, Don. Yes, yes. Got some experts in the room, so I'm definitely not one, so I'm glad I'm glad uh, they are here today. Well, you heard the intro. I'm not the expert either, so that's why we bring in the folks that know. Uh, and today we have Mallory Tate back with us again from yeah. Biodiversity. She's a survey coordinator and Jesse Aker, Biodiversity Survey Manager. And we're going to get to know these guys again and learn more about snakes in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Specifically the pine snake. Right. Uh, so anyway, we'll get deep into this as we go. First, I want to introduce everybody and, and get to know folks. And Mallory, would you mind introducing yourself again to the to the listeners and people watching the show? Uh, just remind folks who you are, what you do, and then we'll move on to, to Jesse. Yeah, sure. So my name is Mallory Tate. I'm in Region 2, so Middle Tennessee primarily. Um, luckily with our job, we do get to overlap, to uh, collaborate and such. But my job is to um, survey, monitor, and research the species of greatest conservation need in Tennessee so the species that are rare or declining um, trying to figure out why they might be declining and then what those population numbers look like all right Jesse a little bit about yourself you're out in West Tennessee right yes essentially the same thing just West Tennessee basically the west one quarter of the state awesome well, I know there's a there's a special snake out there. We're going to touch on that one today that people may see more out in West Tennessee than they see across the other parts of the state. Speaking but, of West Tennessee, yeah. how about a shout out to a radio station? Oh, sure, yeah, we about w forgot that. WMOD right there in Bolivar, and uh, we're on every day weekdays uh, at eight, between eight fifteen and eight twenty five in the morning. The Wildcast Extras awesome. run on that station, so we appreciate WMOD as well as all our other radio partners too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we love our radio partners, appreciate them running the show. Uh, and as we've mentioned before, you can watch this on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Pick us up on a podcasting platform, whichever one's your favorite. I'm sure we're out there. Right. Hey, I, I did test Alexa. Ah. If you say, Alexa, play Tennessee Wildcast podcast, it will play. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was cool. She does listen to everything. Yeah. So. So. Okay. Even Wildcat. So if you're listening, go try that or go try it on Google. Uh-huh. You know, hey, Google or whatever. So uh, that was cool. All right. All right. So let's jump in today. We're going to talk a little bit about the importance of snakes in general, and then we're going to dive into the pine snake. So which one of you guys want to kick it off just to kind of uh, talk about the importance of snakes right now? Well, I guess I can start, and he's pretty good about correcting me or jumping in, So, and he knows far more than I do. Um, but so, like all the pieces of our native species in Tennessee, they all play roles, right? Um, and what comes to mind immediately with snakes for me is uh, pest suppression. So we've got all sorts of small rodents. Um, even small lizards can be a pest to some degree, and that's the primary uh, food source for a lot of our snakes. Um, and one of the most important factors to me right now, there are so many tick-borne diseases. Yes. Um, and for the life cycle of a tick, they need that either small rodent, mouse, or fence lizard host uh -huh. to develop into an adult. Um, so I've suffered from many different tick-borne illnesses. Me so too. I'm like, me too. And they're the worst. Yeah. 
but I'm like, eat all the small rodents so we can cut it off, <laughs> cut that cycle <laughs> off, because I'm done with the ticks. Yeah. Um, but furthermore, with uh, outside of the ticks and things that they carry, just the rodents themselves, you know, if if we didn't have snakes, then we would be overrun mm. with small mammals and rodents, and they would, you know start infesting croplands more than they already do, houses more than they already do. And uh, we as people, we're, we're not just going to sit back and let them overrun our lives. So we would be coming up with alternative, if we lost snakes, you know, mm -hmm. hypothetically, we'd be coming up with alternative methods of pest control, which would lead to who knows what, with the chemicals we may decide right, to yeah. use. That could uh, affect the, other wildlife. Absolutely. It just are, you know, it would be devastating to say the least. I mean, and we would likely not find out what those repercussions were until it was too late. Mm -hmm. So uh, we would like to keep the ecological balance for as long as we can. Yeah, I hear you. I, I don't like uh, I don't like mice in the house or, you know, in my in my uh, animal feed and things like that. They find that, and it's good to have those snakes around. Yeah, really. You know, you bring that up, Jason, and that that's a great point because uh, so many people are terrified of having snakes in their house and. Uh, they, if you get a snake in your house, especially a non-venomous snake like a rat snake that you often find in your house, uh -huh. mm -hmm. they don't do any damage. They're they're harmless to you. Just, no matter how scared you are of them, they are absolutely harmless, and they're not going to damage your house. You get a mouse in your house, they're going to start eating your wires, and they actually do damage and will bring in a disease like hantavirus or something, you know? Yeah. So uh, having a snake in your house is not the I mean, if we're being quite honest, I have actually thought about letting a snake loose <laughs> in my attic because I, I was having trouble catching some mice up in there. I mean, I didn't, but it crossed my mind because yeah. I'd rather have a snake in my attic than a mouse in my attic. Yeah. Or even like rodent poison that can make your kids or dogs sick. A, right. As you said, a snake's mm -hmm. not going to make you sick. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, and, and that kind of leads me to why people are so afraid. Why are so people so afraid of snakes? I mean... I guess there's a there's a number of things, but what what comes to mind when you think about that? It is ingrained in our it just it's passed down through generations yeah. to be afraid, and is ingrained in our beliefs. You know, in in it even goes back to somewhat religious. You yeah. know, I yeah. mean, the devil was came incarnate as a snake, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, just. It's told to them by generation after generation that they should be. And it's on no foundation whatsoever. Right. There's, I mean, so few fatalities from a snake bite, especially in America. I, I saw a statistic when I was looking up some of this stuff yesterday as like out of... I think it's, uh, I can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of snake bites a uh -huh. year. There's like 12 to 15 in America. Wow. And, you know, like, yeah. that's not just saying Tennessee is like obviously fewer than that. So, <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> well, most snakes are afraid of you normally, right? And they're going to go the other way most of the time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think some of it is also just the nature of a snake. We're not used to having slimy, slithery things and thinking of them as, you know, our warm, cuddly lap animals right um and i think a lot of it is that people they have this ingrained fear so they don't spend time to just watch how cool they are their immediate reaction is to either unfortunately kill it run or scare it off which is honestly to me the most beneficial option just yeah. scare it off uh -huh. um 
without trying to touch it. Um, but yeah, I think primarily if you're if you're not comfortable watching a snake do its thing, then get the garden hose and spray it off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, most snakes are going to run from you as soon as they're aware of you. There are a couple species that we have in Tennessee that will depend on their camouflage. Mm -hmm. So they'll kind of hunker down and just stay really still. Yeah. Hope that you don't see them. Um, and then, of course, they have other defensive mechanisms. But first response for most of our Tennessee snakes is going to be to flee. Well, and you talked, uh, had a note here, Tennessee venomous snakes are not aggressive. So if we get into the venomous side, even those snakes are not out to get you. Right. I mean, I don't think a snake wakes up and says, I'm coming after Jesse today. Um, there's nothing. You can go ahead. And if you encounter it in the wild, it is still not going to say, I'm coming after Jesse today. <laughs> right. I've, I have been in the swamp and just, you know, on a nice snake basking day, looked around and counted 15 cottonmouths around me. Wow. Like, just, and they're all just doing, I never felt threatened. I mean, I'm not scared of them at all, but not one of them chased me, you know, despite how fervently that will Ur be argued. Urban legend, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they will not chase you for no reason. Matter of fact, they won't chase you at all. Um, if you start approaching them and swatting at them with a paddle or a broom yeah. or something, that they might feel like they want to defend themselves. Sure. And um, I found just being around them, the uh, smaller snakes, the more juvenile snakes, tend to be a little bit more defensive. I don't want to say aggressive, but like if I, I like to compare it to a feral kitten or a cat. Okay. If you come across one in your barn, I mean, it puffs up and hisses and, you know, throws a fit. And most people think that's cute. But it's defending itself, you yeah. know. And it's, you know, like walking with its, you know, <laughs> hunched over and everything. <laughs> like oh, yeah. like well, that hocus pocus cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that snake is doing the exact same thing. It doesn't want you to kill it. Mm. So it, but people are afraid of snakes and they think that's a threat. It just builds on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if you can take a second to squelch your own fears when you come across a snake and not jump to your instant in intuition or reaction to try and like scare it off or kill it or hurt it then you'll see that you're not going to get that defensive reaction right um mm. which is of course there's statistics out there nc state did a a quick survey um 80 percent of venomous snake bites come from people trying to kill the snake mm. and i mean I, it's i think it's common sense because we know snake behavior but uh -huh. the only way to increase your chances of being bitten by a venomous snake is to approach okay. and try and kill <laughs> that venomous snake yeah um so well I'll, i will say i had a uh, in a rocky county in middle tennessee i had a rattlesnake on my on my farm and uh i just let it be you know, and it would come out on, on the rocks and go back into the shed and come back out. I saw it two or three times that summer. Hadn't seen it since, but uh, beautiful snake. They're gorgeous, and I, I think it's part of that suppressing your fear, which is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, it's hard. When it's you just first, like or uh, me personally, when I first see a snake out, you know, and I'm not expecting it, it's it it takes me aback. You know, it's like oh. There's a snake there, you know. Right. And then, and then, you know, you 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 sort of assess the situation and and uh, kind of like, move on from there. But you're like, oh, there's a snake. But there. that initial 
uh, notification when mm-hmm. you see that snake and, and your brain registers. Wow. It's a little jolting. Yeah. yeah. I'll say I'm, I'm not quite the uh, snake expert that I think Jesse is. He won't call himself that, but I'll call, himself, <laughs> call him that. Uh, if I'm walking through the woods working and I look down and I've just stepped over a rattles- a timber rattlesnake, even I still will be like, oh, geez. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then I'll just step away and just watch it do its thing and... Yeah. I could harp on this for hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I pulled up a few pictures you brought with you uh, to show folks. If you're watching, tune into this show and check these out. But let's go through these real fast. And these are the venomous snakes of Tennessee. And then we're going to get to the pine snake, which is why we are here. So uh, whoever wants to take charge here. But this is a cotton mouth, right? Yeah, good awesome. job. Um, so an easy way to identify this one. And Jesse, please chip in because, again... He knows far more. <laughs> but um, so their markings are going to be a little bit more pixelated, where I think one of the ones that people might confuse this one easily with is a copperhead. Okay. Theirs are more distinct. There's, uh, the cotton mouth looks a little digitized. And then uh, most of them have that kind of uh, easy to pick out dark eye stripe on the side of their face. Okay. And it, it doesn't help uh, with our fears or people's fears that our venomous snakes, for whatever reason, just look angry. Mm. And that has to do with their <laughs> head shape. And with a cotton mouth here, and uh, you can see that sharp ridge around their eyes and towards their uh, their nose area. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it nose for layman terms. Um, <laughs> but they have a very flat head. So um, that's that's a... That is one of the things that I look for almost immediately. If they have that sharp ridge around the front of their face there, that you can be sure that that's a cotton mouth. Real defined, or, almost mm-hmm. boxy kind of like. Yeah. And, and the eye stripe. The, the copperheads have that same head shape, just mm-hmm. their coloration is a little different. Yeah. Like and the mouth. head shape on the venomous snakes tends to be more triangular, too, than the... That is actually um, not entirely true because we have... That's why we have you here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we have most of our snakes will puff themselves up in defensive displays. And I I give a a different talk about showing misidentification. And I've shown a diamondback water snake that has puffed himself up in a defensive Which is not venomous. Mm -hmm. It's not venomous, but it has... I mean, it looks like it has venom glands. It's so, you know, like got such a triangular shape. They they can make themselves look like that. Okay, good. All right, let's move on before we run out of time. So this one is a... This is the copperhead. So um, as Jesse said, you can see that same shape of the head, but they're missing that distinct dark eye stripe coming from the eye to the back of the jaw. Mm -hmm. And then um, their markings, you can see how they're a little bit more defined and crisped. Um, And they do look like a Hershey's Kiss from the side. Um, That's a common tool used. Now, we've got some different genetic things that can make the copperheads markings a little different but that's too complicated most of them look like this okay Um, that's a pretty good tip the chocolate kiss yes yeah so our non-venomous water snake it's blocks it doesn't look like a hershey's kiss laying on a table oh good all right this one the rattlesnake so this is a timber rattlesnake um again that broad head it does look a little mean if you look at it at its face um but they've got those beautiful kind of chevron mm. black markings and the the end of their bodies are always pretty dark and of course they do have a rattle um and these are pretty large bodied snakes um even the younger ones are quite large and then this one is mostly found out in west tennessee right 
Yes, these are Jesse's babies. So. <laughs> yeah, that's our pygmy rattlesnake. Um, it can be uh, differentiated by from a juvenile timber rattlesnake because you see those head markings there. Timber rattlesnakes don't have markings on the heads like that, and their chevron uh, markings on the timber rattlesnakes are more complete, whereas these are more like spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they do make a chevron type of shape, but they don't go quite around the body like a timber rattlesnake. And even in a an adult-sized snake here is still pretty small. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. And then that leads us to this guy. <laughs> Who took this picture, by the way? I did. I'm so <laughs> proud of this photo. Um, so this is our star child pine snake um, out in kind of West Tennessee, depending on how you divide the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this is a species of greatest conservation need, and it is listed as threatened here in the state. Um, so that's because not only are they very elusive in, um, just because of their behavior, which we'll get into, but they're rare and they are declining. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is because of habitat factors, which I'm sure, like I said, we might get into. Um, but it's also because of people taking these snakes. And by taking, I do mean killing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a pretty intimidating species. They're huge. Um, they are our largest our longest species. They're, they're Tennessee's largest snake. Okay. Um, yeah. They, they can get upwards of eight feet long and very heavily bodied. Wow. And uh, they, they do a defensive behavior as well, like all snakes pretty sure. much do in Tennessee. Um, so they'll flatten their head. And, you know, their face can kind of look angry from certain angles as well because the shape of their nose, which they use to dig. Um, but he doesn't look like the happiest thing in the world, but I think he's absolutely gorgeous. They're kind of a, a bright yellow color, depending on the lighting outside, with uh-huh. these black to gray markings. Um, but they let out this really intimidating roar. Um, Jesse, can you uh, demonstrate that? <laughs> oh, no, I, I haven't worked on my snake hiss. <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. So why do they do that? Uh, to intimidate okay. people um, or to intimidate predators. Gotcha. It's not just people. So one of the special things about this individual was that it was actually a really good partnership with a, not only a landowner but a hunt lease um, owner, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he and his son were out planting a food plot, and he saw this snake. He said he's grown up around them, I guess, because of where he is. Um, so he posted it on a Tennessee Snake ID page. And so I got in contact with him. I was like, we have been trapping for these snakes for years, and we've been unsuccessful because of their elusiveness. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'll, I'll go out and see if he's in the hole that we flushed him into tomorrow. And so I get a text the next morning, well, I stuck a stick down in there, and it roared back at me, so he's still in there. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's a really cool behavior that they do. So you got to go get the picture, I guess. This Is this the snake, or yeah. is this a different one? Yeah, so we actually, um, Jesse went out and, uh, fearless, stuck his whole <laughs> hand in the hole to capture the snake. Um, not a lot of people will do that. Yeah. Um, and we actually ended up putting a transmitter in it, and we've been tracking it for right at a year now to oh, get wow. some of the habitat selection, uh-huh. movement, and behavior. Because we're trying to figure out um, their their exact habitat needs, population numbers, and everything to figure out where those numbers are and then why they're declining. Uh-huh. Fun fact about these guys, just talking about the roar, mm. this is one of our only snakes that will audibly hiss most snakes don't hiss only uh, the pine snake and our hognose snake can hiss okay 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So how much time do they spend in a hole underground? Yeah, uh, why are they so hard to find? Yeah. Because they are fossorial, and that means they spend most of their time underground in uh, mammal burrows, rotted root channels, stumps. Uh, they they utilize concrete uh, foundations that have holes under them, and uh, they spend about thirty to forty percent of their time. Huh. What we found, uh, I believe, the study at Arnold Air Force Base that was done previously okay. uh, in the early two thousands, they came up with uh, their snakes were above ground about thirty eight percent of the time. The last I checked. Our guy was uh, he was above ground about thirty two percent of the time, um, so they're usually underground. And you would think that such a large snake with um, their base color is like Mallory said, it can be yellow to uh-huh. cream to white, and that doesn't seem like good camouflage if you think about it. And then they have those black splotches. Mm-hmm. We have both been right next to the guy while he was above ground and like not really it took us a minute to find him oh, like wow. he was even, so even though you know he's there we kn- yeah. we're following the the, the transmitter. transmitter and the beeps from our receiver <laughs> we're like okay where is he you know and it's like oh my foot's touching him you know? <laughs> like he's right there and this is a snake that's body is longer than mine is oh, and wow. we <clears throat> wow can't even see him wow <laughs> so that's uh why they're not often encountered and they're they're just so secretive but for whatever reason we've had a lot of mortality show up on social media lately which has caused the reason for this talk really yeah Um, yeah we've we've both been pretty fired up we've had folks kill them intentionally um and road mortality is a cause of their uh death they're discovered deaths as well but the the intentional killing of them is what just drives us up a wall because it's senseless it they're harmless animals they will not uh attack for unprovoked and even provoked all they do is kind of hiss and they'll rattle their tail like a rattlesnake kind of uh-huh. mimicking a rattle which might be cause for misidentification I don't personally think they look anything like a timber rattlesnake, right, no. but uh, because of their large size, their impressive dis- defense display, people fear for their lives as they're trying to swat at it with a broom, you know? So, <laughs> um, it's, And we were talking earlier that they are rather slow as, yes. as, uh, as far as their escape habits, so it, you know? So it makes so. them an easy target. Right. So like I was saying, most of our snakes here in Tennessee, their initial response is going to be to flee. If they see a large predator predator coming at them this snake is not one of those um they're slow moving they're big bodied and they do have fantastic camouflage so those are the well the camouflage is what they depend on so like jesse said we'll get close to it 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 won't flush um and so i think the fear combined with the easy target has resulted in a lot of devastating blows lately and you know for for people who aren't sure about snakes or have never really experienced them or tried to learn to love them, I can see why it's intimidating, but hopefully with the um, ease of access to information these days, people will start figuring out that these guys are harmless. There's right. still no sense to killing venomous snakes, as we touched on, but yeah. these guys, there's there's no need to come after him with a machete and and oh go ahead jesse oh thank you. uh i was going to say with their size being that they are our biggest snake in tennessee their uh primary 
primary food source is small mammals. So you can imagine how many rats and mice it takes to sustain one of oh, these yeah. guys. Yeah. So having one of them on mm. your property is not that's very beneficial yeah. to you. Yeah, it's exactly. not only not only not the worst thing; it's a good thing mm-hmm. to have these guys on your property eating all those uh, pesky, disgusting mammals <laughs> <laughs> that host ticks. My least Which favorite. lead to disease. Right. I, w- I would welcome one for my chipmunk population in my yard <laughs> right now. They would happily oblige. Oh man. Yeah, and not only that, not only do they clean up and, and help with that issue, those issues, but they're a greatest conservation need, which remind people what that is again. And, and is there any chance of this snake coming off of that list? Yeah, so um, species of greatest cons- conservation need, you can qualify several different ways. One, um, you're so elusive that we're not sure where those population numbers stand. Second, you're, de- you're declining, whether that's from disease or human impacts. Um, or habitat impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, unfortunately, is facing all of those. So okay. not only is it rare and elusive, like we said, he's only out, out of the ground 30% of the time, um, but he's facing habitat fragmentation. They also require well-drained soils, um, so pretty sandy. Uh-huh. Um, and those are being disturbed more more often lately uh, just because of development. Um we have humans killing them, and uh, yeah, I think I hit all the notes. Yes. So, like I said, this species is declining as well. And then we have a disease called snake fungal disease that's recently been studied here in Tennessee. Um, I'm not sure about their susceptibility, but it, it's, of course, a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we don't know too, too much about the disease, if these can carry, them, carry the fungus and then uh, how it's impacting them. We don't find enough of them to get a get a, the full spectrum of snake fungal disease on these guys. Right. All, all snakes are susceptible to it, but just that, what the impacts are on this species in particular is not quite known. Well, my next question, so if you're not seeing a lot of them, is, is there a way for people to send you photos or let you know, hey, I'm seeing a pine, I saw a pine snake, I, I, I had one here, and, and will they see them all the way across the state or mostly Middle West? So we actually do have them across the state. There was recently one found in Region 3, which is Cumberland Plateau. Um, They are more prevalent, I would say, in Middle and East Tennessee um, because of those well-drained soils that are required. Middle Um, and East? Yeah. I'm sorry. Middle and West. Middle and West. Yes. I'm glad you corrected me. Yes. Um, And because of this pine snake study, we are willing to take... Um, sightings Uh so they can email any of the regional offices and those will go to the biodiversity staff Mm -hmm. but um, and to take it one step further if you are a landowner willing to participate in this study please reach out to us um, via social media or some sort and we would like to get more transmitters in these animals and uh, so we can understand them better awesome yeah we'll come teach you about them so you're not scared of them that's cool yeah I mean uh, if I find one in my house, I'll be calling you. Uh, so hey, I don't know that we've said it yet, but let's remind everybody: it is illegal to kill a snake in Tennessee. It is. Okay, yes. that's you know, just keep that in mind. Yeah, we should have put that at the front. Yeah, we? all right. So yes, that's a good reminder. The whole reason we did this show today was to remind people of that, and also, you know, this guy's special. This this snake is special. So uh, let us know about him if you see him. Contact yeah. us on social media. Email us uh, at ask. Dot twra at tn.gov 
another way to get a hold of us. Email a region office, call a regional office. And thank you guys for the great work you do. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank We're you lucky guys. to have our jobs. <laughs> Very. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun uh, fun place to work. It's a fun uh, uh, working with wildlife is just so cool. So can't get any better than this. Thank you guys for coming out. Uh, this is Tennessee Wildcast. Thank you all for listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.